0: Listeners, a few weeks ago, I asked you to send in the names of songs that have been on your playlist lately, and here's a roundup of suggestions. Chelsea in Colorado writes, A major one in my bath time playlist is It Hurts Until It Doesn't by Mothers and Sharon Van Etten's cover of The End of the World. Emily in Sweden wrote, I've been having the soundtrack for Heartstopper on repeat. Heartstopper is a British Netflix series based on the comic book with the same name. Jane says, "Is it's, that's a song. Might as well add that to the playlist. But Jane says, thanks for the hot tip on Sarah Bareilles' Someone Who Loves Me. So good. These days, it's Morning Sun by Melody Gardeau that's on repeat for me. Elizabeth can't stop listening to I Love You So by the Walters. Her 13-year-old son introduced her to the song. Uh these are fantastic. Thank you so much for writing in and I look forward to listening. And also if you're wondering, yes, I'm still on tour, so come see me in person. Hello Again is the tour. That's the name of it. Tickets are at tignotaro.com. Now on with the show. Do you cry even harder over spilled chocolate milk?
1: Um I cry and then I lick it up off the floor. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, asking you to please be kind if the advice I give you is a mess. My next guest is a Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and composer. He's released seven studio and three live albums. He's collaborated with music legends like Elton John, Joni Mitchell, and David Byrne, and has made a name for himself in the classical world for composing not one, but two operas. Rufus Wainwright, I'm so glad to have you here with me on Don't Ask Tig.
1: Thank you so much. Happy to be here.
0: Good, good. I am very happy to see you. Are you in a library? Yeah,
1: I'm in my home here, which has an octagonal-shaped library. Not because I read a lot, (laughs) but Uh it just looks cool.
0: (laughs) It looks very cool.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I do. I do read somewhat. But don't let it fool you.
0: How much is somewhat? Oh,
1: yeah, you know, I, I try to read every night a little bit. It uh-huh. actually it puts me to sleep, actually. So I don't plow through books. I kind of snow plow through books.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably more like you, where yeah. I'll pick it up, read, yeah. and then snooze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way books were meant to be read, right?
1: Yes, totally.
0: Now, your song, Cigarettes and Chocolate Milk, that I referenced at the top of the show, is about walking a tightrope between having a grand time and losing yourself in the gutter. Yes, yes. Is that a balance you're still trying to strike these days? Mm,
1: well, I mean, I think concerning other issues other than, you know, drugs and alcohol, because that I seem to have managed to, um, you know, set aside mm-hmm. and so forth. But yes, with food, with indulging my child, <laughs> uh-huh. our daughter, and, you know, not being a responsible parent at times, Um, also maybe with shopping and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I still navigate that tightrope, though it's not as, you know dangerous as you know crystal meth and stuff so
0: (laughs) (laughs) and so you feel like you're getting the balance down or you're still on a Um, tightrope in those areas
1: yeah, well I have I I married a German man. Uh my husband uh-huh. Jorn and he was brought up in a very traditional kind of middle-class German upbringing where you know you cried over spilt milk. Yeah. There's <laughs> a major problem. So I rely a lot on his sort of intense DNA. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Now I'm curious what song I mean as a comedian I have my the stories and jokes that I can't wait to perform and do you have a song like that that um, gives you the most enjoyment?
1: I mean that's an interesting question. There's songs that I've written that I'm happy can bring about a good reaction probably the most famous song that I sing is Hallelujah which I didn't write. That was right. by Leonard Cohen and uh, it's a very good song obviously but I get a bit annoyed that that's sort of so requested and becomes such an emblem. So there's a couple of other songs like cigarettes and chocolate milk or the art teacher that get a rise out of people and that makes me feel good <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah so and what about when you're you're presenting a new song is that even more exciting
1: yes it can be it really depends on the night also mm-hmm. where I am I'm a strong believer in geographical force in terms of music like for instance if I'm in the south and to sing a you know I don't know like a Cowboy song, mm-hmm. heart song, something kind of romantic. The sky kind of helps along.
0: Dictates.
1: <laughs> yeah. Geography actually depends a lot, believe it or not.
0: I haven't heard somebody reference a cowboy song in a yeah. while. <laughs> Is there one in particular that you like to sing?
1: There's a song called Old Paint. Uh huh. I'm making a bit of a folk record at the moment, and I just finished tracking an old Everly Brothers song called, um, Barbara Allen, which it's not really a cowboy song. It's more of a murder ballad.
0: Oh, okay. Close enough.
1: Yeah, but it's a folk song. And mm-hmm. and it's, you know, something that people would sing around the fire. And then before they did, God knows what.
0: <laughs> right. Cowboys were always sitting around a fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Judy Garland is someone that's obviously a big inspiration yes, to you. Yes. Tell me about that whole relationship to her as a musician and performer.
1: On June 10th this year, she's turning 100. So it's her 100th birthday. And I am celebrating that in both New York and Chicago with some shows at the City Winery.
0: She's, of course, not alive anymore. No,
1: no, no. But she's a wild card, that woman. So so you never know. So, yeah, we're going to celebrate her birthday. And I've been singing her songs for almost 20 years now. It started, you know, when I was very young, because, you know, somewhere over the rainbow became my. Kind of calling card as a four year old Mm -hmm. (laughs) to appease drunken adults in the late eighties. And so started with that. And then, and then I just, you know, I kept wanting to uh, sing her material. And eventually in my twenties, I got a little sick of being so obsessed with her that I felt I needed a sort of exorcism. Wow! And so the concert that I did, uh, where I did her 1961 Carnegie Hall concert at Carnegie Hall myself, was a way of kind of getting her out of my system, and it worked.
0: How interesting!
1: I didn't think about her as much, but she's back. (laughs) She has returned. (laughs) As you said, uh, she's a wild. I know. I know. And uh, got to
0: keep your eye on her. She
1: might actually appear (laughs) at the concert because she just, you know, she's pretty strong chick. Well,
0: I'm wondering, you know, this is an advice show. Yes. And I'm wondering if there's someone out there in the world who you would like to give advice to right right now. Whether they're listening or not, chances are they're listening. I mean, come on. There's billions of people listening to this episode right now. Uh, Who do you want to give advice to?
1: There's a lot of singers. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Who I'd like to maybe get into a room. Let's and, hear it. You know, I, I mean, I, th- I think Billie Eilish has a, an amazing voice. Uh huh. I'm totally jealous of her success. Yeah, but I am wondering, like, just the way she pronounces certain words and stuff. And this is actually the stuff that I used to do as a singer. Mm-hmm. And I mean this wholeheartedly. I would just like to get her mm-hmm. in a room and be like, "Let's sing a song together."
0: That would be amazing, you know, by and the way. just
1: sort of. um you know, challenge each other. Maybe she wants mm-hmm. to challenge me, you know?
0: I bet she would. I bet she's got some words for you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, All right, well, let's do it. Let's get the Billie <laughs> Eilish and Rufus Wainwright that yeah, 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 yeah. going.
1: <laughs> Because it does seem like she's heading towards this more kind of tradition, like the, some of the outfits she's been wearing are very kind of yeah. Marilyn Monroe-esque. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. she's, and she's you know, she's basically she needs me and um, <laughs> her whole career will collapse unless we meet. And uh, and I'm just warning her that, uh, you know, it's, it's now or never, babe.
0: All right, there you go, Billy. Straight from Rufus. And what's your track record on giving advice?
1: Pretty bad, actually. Myself, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't. You know that band, the um, the Scissor Sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I'm fairly good friends with Jake Shears, who's in mm-hmm. the band, and I was actually going out on a couple of dates with him many years ago, right before their first album came out. Mm -hmm. And so he actually was playing me all these demos of that first record. And I said, you know, Jake... It's so great what you're doing, and it's so fabulous. But you really can't expect much success on your first release. You have to wait a couple of hours. Anyways, it went right to number one. You know, in in England, in England,
0: that's <laughs> in perfect. England. Right after your advice on Billy Idol, I Island. know, I know, that's hilarious. If you
1: would like advice on how to. Tone down your career a little and be a little more esoteric.
0: And sit in a library. Yeah. Then Rufus is the one for you.
1: And read for five minutes a night.
0: And go to sleep. (laughs) Well, are you ready to give some advice to my listeners? Yes, I am. I am. Always. Okay. Well, our first question has to do with lyricism and self-confidence. Okay. Kay Ray writes... Dear Tig, I'm turning 30 in two months. I struggle holding regular jobs for longer than a year at a time. I'm a gifted songwriter, singer, musician, not Taylor Dane level, but still talented. I've just never put the pieces together to launch myself into music as a full-time gig. I'm always broke and my family worries. I feel like, what the hell am I doing? Is a small, self-sufficient music career out the window for me? You are my hero, Tig. You made a way for yourself, but how did you do it? Mm. Did you ever feel like I do? Is uh. it too late in time to admit my dreams are dead? <laughs> oh, hey uh. Ray. First of all, you're turning 30 in 2 months. You have time to make stuff happen. I think I didn't start doing stand up till I was 26 yeah. maybe.
1: I want to know about the Taylor Dane reference though. Is that because you love Taylor Dane?
0: I have a 15-minute story about oh, okay. run-ins it, that I've it, had it, okay, over okay. the years with Taylor Day. Okay, okay, got it. Okay, got it. I know it seems kind of random.
1: Because that, um, to me, was a <laughs> real giveaway.
0: I know. <laughs> you gotta, I almost you, stopped and said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rufus, you might not know this, yes, but years ago... We have a
1: major problem here.
0: <laughs> I would say I started doing that like maybe almost like 13 oh, okay, years ago. Okay, I started... Okay. Telling that story, and it's on my first album. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway. Okay, yes. uh, You'll have to do a deep dive on (laughs) my old stuff when you're-
1: uh, Five minutes a night, and then I go to sleep. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I just feel like you can't put it in your head that your age is going to dictate what your future is. Uh, I think that if you're passionate about something and you're driven to do it, likely nothing is going to get in your way trying to see that through. Because it's like, once you get that bite, that taste of it, it's hard to stop if you are truly meant in your heart and soul to be doing this. I know a lot of people can look at things like, oh, if you're meant to be doing this, then you will be as big as Rufus Wainwright Mm -hmm. or Billie Eilish. But sometimes you can be meant to do it and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be on that level of the stage
1: my general rule Mm
0: -hmm. with
1: anything is that it takes 10 years Uh before you start to understand what you're doing
0: unless you're the scissor sisters
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they're you know they signed a deal with the devil and um they're (laughs) satanic worshipers so so unless you worship (laughs) satan Yes. It takes 10 years.
0: Yeah.
1: And after 10 years, if it's not working out for you, I like to say to artists, yes, keep going. But one of the Mm -hmm. most noble things that people can do is to walk away and do something uh-huh. else like i am always the yeah. most impressed by people who have tried and tried and tried and then at a certain point after a long time have said you know what i'm gonna shift gears here and do something else and that to me is a sign is a better sign of character <laughs> than uh-huh. someone who just keeps banging their head against well it depends it, on what know. you
0: want though yeah, because yeah, if it's yeah. in your heart and soul yeah to do this you maybe don't need to yeah make money no, at it no, or no. have thousands of yeah. people at your show. Yeah. But it could still be a very fulfilling part of your life.
1: But sometimes that transformation that someone can make where they totally transform their lives into something else mm-hmm. that they never mm-hmm. like sometimes I wish I could say I want to stop doing this
0: and yeah, yeah. become
1: a gardener or whatever. Or become a fashion model. I which I could, you know, but but um
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you like to garden?
1: Uh, I like to garden, I, 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 theoretically.
0: <laughs> okay, sure. We all love to garden. Are we doing it? I don't know. I also want to say my friend Derek, he had stage four throat cancer right. and healed from that and put out his first album and he's in his 50s. Wow. He's been opening for Billy Bob Thornton. And That's amazing. The whole pandemic kind of made him realize, yeah. I got to do what I've always wanted to do. And um, yeah, yeah. it can come at any point. And if you've heard the podcast before, you've probably heard me reference the old lady from the "Where's the Beef" commercials. Right. I mean, come on, she didn't hit. <laughs> she, she didn't hit the big time till she uh, was like, <laughs> you know, a couple of steps away from the grave. Um, but I think you just have to figure out what it is you want. If you really want to do it, you got to be at it all the time. And if and and realize that maybe you're not going to be. Yeah rufus wainwright yeah. or billy eilish but also you're not even 30 yet
1: yeah yeah you've
0: got time would you say there's still time there for k ray
1: oh yeah no there's still yeah there's still way yeah there. so there's no time left for fay ray but there's time for k ray <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right and i if you want to know how i did it, it was truly doing stand-up nonstop. yeah and also taking my own advice yeah. and allowing myself to grow and change yeah So those are some tips on how I did it. I wish you the best of luck with your music. Yes. Whether it turns into a career or not.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Rufus, we're going to pause for a short break, and then I've got more listener questions. So stay put. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos, and even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit
1: pause and rewind. Rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your
0: podcasts. And we are back. Rufus, this question involves a French Canadian like yourself okay do you speak any french
1: yes je parle français oui je je, je peux parler français avec un accent québécois alors yeah i'm speaking french now
0: (laughs) (laughs) you were you were born Uh, in new york yes i was born in new
1: york but then brought up in montreal
0: okay and so you're totally fluent
1: i am totally fluent yes
0: and if you grow up in montreal is that just the case um
1: not always, but, but mm-hmm. I, my mother was, was half French and there was and when I grew up there in the seventies and eighties there was a serious, you know, separatist movement and there were laws uh-huh. put in place where you weren't allowed to speak English at certain mm-hmm. times of the day. <laughs> like it was it was pretty uh-huh. brutal. So wow. so so I had to learn the government made you learn French. I don't know if it's as intense now, but, but I learned the language, even though it was totally fascist, but I learned it. Fascist French.
0: See, I lived in Texas as a kid, a part of my childhood, and we had to learn how to two-step and square dance and line dance. Okay. (laughs) It wasn't enforced by the government, but it felt like it in uh, gym class. So, all right. Alex writes, Hi, Tig. My boyfriend and I are planning on having kids in the near future. My boyfriend is French-Canadian, and I only have a basic understanding of French. My fear is that when my future kid starts to rebel... They will talk about me to my partner or their friends in French, and I won't be able to understand or be a part of the conversation. So how do I deal with the possibility of not understanding them? Thanks for any advice. Alex, learn the language. Yeah, learn French. That would be the quickest
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: way from point A to point B, yeah. or B to A, whichever direction you want to go. Ah, I um, <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I have an interesting view of this, obviously, because I am a gay man and I have a child. Uh-huh. My husband and I, we, we share custody of our daughter, Viva, with with her mom. And we also... My husband speaks German. I, thankfully, speak French. And Viva, our daughter, does speaks French as well. I will say that yes, you can learn the language. French. The same can't be said about German.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. German's
1: really hard. <laughs> Yeah. And I wish I could learn German and. Get more into that pocket. Do you know any? I know less now than I did before. It's like, it's very, um, it's a really tricky language. So just also, yeah, so learn French because it's not, and I love German. Don't get me wrong. I think it's an amazing language. But learn French because at least you don't have to learn German.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And do you find yourself hearing conversations and not understanding it and finding yourself frustrated? Or are you just like, ah, who cares?
1: Look, it's I, I I have given up. I want to learn Spanish, uh, but you know German. Just, just you just just you don't have to learn German, so you're going to be fine. <laughs> that would be my advice. <laughs> I just
0: really feel like there's so many. Uh, I mean, it's easy for me to say because I haven't done it. I have purchased one of those apps to try and learn another language. I thought, oh, I'll do this on the road, and yeah, I did a couple of days, and I still yeah. don't know anything. No. But yeah. there seems to be. So many opportunities through different classes online or apps or whatever it is.
1: I have to say, you know, the the most amazing story that I ever heard concerning anything like this is that a friend of mine, his father is Dutch and his mother is from Switzerland. And she Mm -hmm. didn't speak any Dutch and she was dating the father and he was a diplomat. They decided to get married and they were living in Amsterdam and the, the husband said, "Okay, well, you can marry me but you have to learn Dutch. Hmm. And the mother was like, okay, fine, I'll learn Dutch. Anyway, so they got engaged, and then the next day they went to a party... And she was speaking French with someone at the party, and he walked up to her, and he told the person, he's like, she's not allowed to, she can only speak Dutch. And he would only let her speak Dutch. Wow. Like, for the next t- two years, and she, like, forced her to uh, to speak it uh, very, you know, whatever. It was another time. But maybe her husband, <laughs> who speaks French, they maybe they can get a little yeah. strict about it. Like, we have to yeah. speak French.
0: I mean, Alex, I think you can make this happen, <laughs> however you handle it. and Don't ever speak they...
1: English again.
0: <laughs> right. That's it. Just You're done. Yeah. It's like you are just born. Yeah. You're an infant joining this planet and learn how to speak.
1: Along with your child.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Alex, as they say in Quebec, bonne chance. <laughs> did I say it right? Bonne chance.
1: Yeah, you did say it. You said it very good. You
0: say it better than I do, though.
1: You mean good luck? You mean, yeah?
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rufus, this next question comes to us from Kate. Kate writes... My husband's sister married the rudest person I've ever met. He walks into family events and won't greet anyone, leaves without saying goodbye, will give one-word answers, and rolls his eyes at everyone. He comes from a rich, uptight family. After meeting him the first time, I said, nice to meet you. And he responded with a huff and went, um, yeah, I have decided to just ignore him. However, now we have a kid and he's rude to her. Hmm. She's only four and starting to understand how people treat each other. She notices that he won't say hi back to her. I don't even think he has said a full sentence to her. How should I show her how to act around someone that isn't being nice to you? That is so hard. I mean, I've seen terrible people. I've seen rude. Yeah. Kate, if you are not exaggerating, this is maybe the rudest person I've ever heard yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Have you run into anything like that?
1: Well, yes. <laughs> I have to deal with several people in my life.
0: That act like that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's it's a tough one because it is in my family, actually. So what do you do? I think I'm still trying to figure out. I try to... Be as positive as possible mm-hmm. to my daughter concerning this issue. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I talk to a therapist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and maybe, I don't know, get a therapist.
0: <laughs> I think it might even be helpful to talk if you're yeah. saying that your child is understanding how people treat each other, then yeah. she might be able to understand if you explain to her. That you're going to run into people sometimes that don't treat people nicely, or maybe don't even point him out, right? Because um, That that might not be helpful, but maybe just explain that there are people that will not be very friendly. And just yeah. don't think it has anything to do with you. Yeah. And to always just keep your joy and be friendly or even avoid them, yeah. you know, because it seems like this person would prefer to be avoided. Yeah. So even teaching your children if somebody isn't friendly or wanting to talk, then... Avoid them, but that is rough. Yeah, if I knew that person would be there, I feel like I would try to avoid it. And I know it's it's family events and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But for sure, avoid the person. Yeah, if you can, because they don't deserve a. Hey, how's it going? After a certain point, yeah. just a nod and a hello, and move it along, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I would say that. But also, sometimes I think with these interfamily uh-huh. dynamics and pitfalls and minefields, it is good to talk to someone about uh-huh. what it's bringing out in you. Like maybe some yeah. trauma that you experience with someone else. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I find, like for instance, with certain members of my family that I have problems with, it it then relates to things that maybe happened to me as a kid concerning my own dad. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff Because we had a kind of a tough time. I'm a big therapy person. So I always yeah, think that yeah. that helps because if it's a chance for you to get into some of those areas for yourself, that's what I tend to do. But I'm also, you know, an artist who's trying to, you know, ruin happiness all the time. and <laughs> Make, you know, have a dramatic fall and uh-huh. get a hit song out on of it. and off just write a hit song about it
0: yeah, yeah. that's a good idea <laughs> send in your hit song i would love to hear that kate that's incredible that's awesome advice i'm all for therapy yeah. it's been so so incredibly helpful yeah, yeah sure so Write us back, send in your hit song, let us know if any of this is helpful. Rufus, our last listener question concerns a divisive dispute over bathroom etiquette. Steph writes, please help me settle this debate with my girlfriend. Peeing in the shower, yes or no? I'm in the peeing camp, always before the soap though. It saves water and countless precious seconds of your time. Thanks so much.
1: I'm pro-pee. What are you?
0: I don't feel one way or the other. Like, I wish I cared.
1: I'm pretty strong about it. You know why? Mm. Because apparently peeing on your feet gets rid of toe fungus.
0: Well, I mean, I don't remember (laughs) what podcast I mentioned this on. It might have been my other one, uh, Tig and Cheryl, true story. But somebody told me, and maybe this was a prank, that the first stream of urine in the morning, (laughs) you put on your face for acne. Okay. <laughs> I've never done it, okay, but I've heard that. But I have heard that, you know, when people are scared to sit down on a toilet seat that has urine on it, I've also heard it doesn't matter because it's sterile.
1: Yeah. I'm pro-P. I'm pro-P.
0: Well, then I can't help but join the march. Pro-P. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to get our flags together and start a march, right? Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: Steph, you can put that uh, argument to rest The now. yellow
1: brick road.
0: <laughs> there you go ties it all right back to, to judy yeah. my grandmother actually looked a lot like judy garland
1: really really i'd
0: be curious for you to see and tell me if you see it. okay okay but rufus before i let you go there's one last thing for us to do yeah since you're a musician and this is an advice podcast. I've chosen a final segment that combines those two themes. It's called Advice in a Song. What is some of the best advice you've ever heard in the lyrics of a song?
1: Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. Um. I mean, I was brought up with songs. Sure. So I guess I have to go straight to my mother. Because <laughs> my okay. mother... She wrote a song about me called Firstborn Son when mm-hmm. I was born. And it wasn't really about me only. It was just about the phenomenon of firstborn sons in general. Yes. And the chorus is, you know, firstborn son, always the one, no matter what comes next, no matter what comes along. He's his mother's favorite, his grandmother's too. He'll break their hearts and he'll break yours too. So that's not the the best advice. But then later in the bridge, she goes, Some of them make it, some of them don't, some of them can't, some of them won't, others won't grow old. (laughs) I always took that as a cautionary tale that even though being the firstborn, you get all this attention, especially in a a matriarchal family, you got to watch out and you got to grow up eventually. (laughs) So it's like a personal thing.
0: I was hearing that as like a forever young type thing.
1: Yeah, you are. more apt to be forever young, uh-huh. but that's not necessarily the best outcome.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> For these All firstborn right. sons. And how are you doing with that advice?
1: Uh, I am, uh, I am. I, I think I'm doing good. You know, a lot of it has mm-hmm. to do with being a a, a father uh, myself yeah. now, and realizing that unlike my parents, I am now number two <laughs> in the equation. Yeah, because my parents, neither of them were. It was just a different time period. You know. Right. You know, right. they weren't as adept at sort of stepping back and letting the kids take center stage. So, so I, I, I'm better at that now. Though, you mm-hmm. know, there are, there are pangs when I want to kill. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we'll end on that lovely note. <laughs> Do you have anything that you would like to promote or talk about before we go?
1: Yeah, well, I'm doing these Judy Garland shows. Yeah. June 5th, 7th and 8th and 10th in New York at City Winery and also in Chicago after. And so those are going to be great. And then I have shows all over Europe this summer. So And they're doing my opera, Hadrian, in Spain. On July 27th in Madrid and the July 29th in Barcelona. So
0: that's incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you're a real talent, oh, Rufus. And, Thank uh, you. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I'll see you soon. Bye bye. Bye. And now that the show's over, head over to Tignotaro.com to buy tickets to see me on my Hello Again tour. New cities are being added all the time. So see you there. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willett, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lohr. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Sound mixing by Derek Ramirez and Rachel Breeze. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Brickell and Kyle Crusham, And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask TIG. Don't Ask TIG is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.